Welcome to the How to Get a Job podcast. I am your host, Daniel Botero. And in this podcast, we help international STEM students land a job that sponsors their H-1B without applying to hundreds of companies. So if you enjoyed this episode, give us a follow, give us a review, and share with a friend. Without further ado, enjoy the episode. All right, welcome, welcome, welcome back to this episode of the podcast. Today, I have an amazing, amazing guest. I have Rob Adams and Rob is a consultant slash coach for cross cultural. He does, he focuses on cross cultural training and he's the founder of Chai and Coaching. Rob, welcome. How are you doing, my friend? I'm great. Daniel, super excited to be hanging out with you on your podcast today. No, thank you. Thank you for, for agreeing to do this with me. Um, we have a lot in common. We're both very, very passionate about helping international students. Um, and so I would love, you know, what, we, what we're going to talk about today is just the, the cultural differences or, or some of the challenges that international students face when they get to America in terms of culture, career, and just anything in between. But uh, before we get started, Rob, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure thing. Um, first, I'll say I've definitely become a fan of your content, you know, loved a lot of your podcast episodes been reading your book. So definitely, you guys, Daniel's a great resource. Uh, make sure you plug into him. But for me, um, I have an interesting journey like many of you guys, you know, as things never went to plan. I studied petroleum engineering in college, but had kind of a priority shift and change in life and ended up actually going to India, where I worked in India for eight years, uh, studying culture, doing corporate trainings about soft skills communication and, you know, kind of business corporate culture, helping Indian companies thrive with their international partners, um, had some different businesses we did in India as well. And I've been very blessed to travel all over the world, almost 30 countries. So I've just been blessed with a open eyes and worldview to see the diversity of culture, the challenges, even myself experienced living in a foreign country away from family and friends and, you know, India and America about as opposite in cultures as you can get in the world. And then here in America, continue to do similar training and coaching and then just became good friends with international students and over time saw their struggles and some friends and I eventually brainstormed some ideas to create content and community to help the international student community. And that's what Chai and Coaching got born out of to, to help them see more success here in the States. That's amazing. And so uh, what do you think is the biggest challenges? Let's start, you know, mm -hmm. let's, let's start from the journey from, hey, I'm an international student, right? And, and let's, let's use India because most of my audience are Indians and I think some of yours as well. Uh, most mm -hmm. international students are from India and China. Um, but I'm in, I'm in India. I want to come to America. What are the main three challenges or the, the main challenges that will stop you to get into America? Or how do, how do we start there? And then we start kind of progressing to ultimately graduating and getting a job and getting your age. Yeah. Yeah. Getting to America is, you know, a little bit easier, you know. Most will either come, especially from these Asian countries for specialized studies or specialized work, you know, on an F1 student visa, maybe an H1B or L1 work visa. So, you know, if you have the ambition and the resources, you can come, you know, basically you just need decent enough test scores. Um, you know, there's so many coaching counseling services out there. I don't recommend it. I think you can do it on yourself, but, you know, you can eventually get to America. The biggest thing is getting the good enough scores, you know, the GRE, GMAT, SAT, TOEFL, those things, and then the visa interview. You know, you might even get an admission to a top college, but you still have to pass that visa interview. We've done some great interviews on our channel to help with that. Um, but once you have the admission, the visa interview, then 
you're good to go for America. Okay, so now they, they, I made it. I'm here. Now, mm-hmm. cultural change. I have no friends. I have no family. You know, I'm, I'm at my university. I'm, I'm staying either at a dorm or an apartment in my university. But what are some of the biggest things that I probably didn't expect that I need to start understanding? Yeah, the biggest expectation that you need to have is everything's going to be different and it's going to be harder than you think. Um, I think people assume that, oh, yeah, it's going to be easy. I'm going to get a 4.0. I'm guaranteed a job. I'm going to make friends. And they realize, oh, it's hard. There's this thing called culture shock, you know, and it really kind of punches people in the face, you know, in that first semester. And I think one, that whole first semester is a huge adjustment to the academic style, the way classes are done. You know, a lot of Asian cultures just really have a big exam at the end of the semester where everything else is pretty chill. But in America, every day, every week, you've got assignments, projects, quizzes, exams, and learning that that rhythm, that 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 vibe is is a, takes a whole semester to adjust. Then the issue is they put job search on the back burner yeah. and they say, oh, yeah, I'll worry about that later. When really, I know, as you talk about too, job search starts in day one, mm-hmm. you know, having a good resume job fairs, networking, LinkedIn, it all starts from day one. People will put it off one or two semesters. And then when they need a job, they haven't built that foundation and they're too late. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on, on that. It's, I, and I'm generalizing here, especially when the, for, from the Asian cultures, they are so focused on the academics. They're so focused mm-hmm. on getting that 4.0, 3.9, you know, 3.8 GPA. And don't understand that the GPA is important, but it's not the only factor when mm-hmm. it comes to getting your job. And in fact, you should be focusing also on starting the job search process. And if that's getting an internship and sure, mm-hmm. as, a, as an international student, you might have to be in America for eight months before you can even do any work, but at mm-hmm. least start building those relationships, joining student clubs or even working in school, or there, there's all these things that you can still do to, to gain experience. Um, without actually having to do an internship. But those experiences then lead to helping you get an internship and those internships then ultimately open the door to full-time employment um, because it does become challenging. I, I, you know, a 4.0 GPA from a good school does not guarantee you employment. Just because you come to school in America does not guarantee you employment. Um, and, and that's just the reality. And I'm so glad, Rob, that you're talking about it as a day one action and, and it's something to start thinking about. I love that you're saying that. And I think, yeah, there's that misconception that a lot of Asian cultures bring because for them, getting a job is about the number. Mm -hmm. If you have a certain number rank GPA, you're going to get a good job in in an Asian country. It's because there's so much competition. But in America, the numbers don't matter as much. Having the 4.0 doesn't guarantee you getting a job. Having the perfect resume doesn't guarantee you getting a job. Um, Americans especially companies, recruiters care more about a holistic profile mm-hmm. that you have a life outside the classroom. You have soft skills, leadership, other types of experience. Um, so it's a much more holistic package that they're looking for and not just that magic number. And so you need to do other things than just the GPA in the States. And, and Rob, I'm just thinking about this now, and it's not something I thought about much until now, but that you think that has to do with the types of industries that are heavily like Asian culture, more manufacturing. There's it's where in the American culture is a lot of the jobs are creative, right? They're, they're, they're paying you to think not to do right. And 
and creativity is hard to put a number on. It's hard to quantify as much versus if mm-hmm. you're working in a factory or if you're working in more of a job where there's like, like, then at that point we want it. Like, like we, I'm going on, on this tangent here, but um, mm-hmm. our, our, the school systems are designed, we're, we're designed to create workers, right? Um, but the problem now is that we don't want work like factory workers, right? We, especially in America, we want more people who can think problem solver creativity and soft skills become really, really important. And that's mm-hmm. why companies can't just look at the GPA, which just shows how good you can follow directions, right? Companies mm-hmm. want to see the holistic picture. Are you a problem solver? Like, how do you deal with uh, upsets and rejection? And how do you deal with um, bad things happening to you? Because what? guess what? It's going to continue to happen to you, but it's how you react to them. And that grit, and, and it goes down to uh, just one of my favorite books, which is grit. It's like the number one mm-hmm. indicator of success is grit, is, de- is determination, it's not giving up and not so much your GPA or mm-hmm. your SAT score or your GRE score uh, and whatnot. What do you think about all that? Definitely. And I mean, I know in 2022 now in these countries like India, China, Asia, you know, they're obviously people are becoming tech jobs as well. Yeah. But in India, if, you know, if you get to a top ranked college and have a good enough score in your exams, then these big tech tech companies are going to come and they call it do, you know, mass recruiting or campus recruiting, where this company will come and take a few hundred, this company will take a few hundred, it's all about the number, you know, they don't care about anything else, even the interviews for jobs over there, they're only technical, they're not doing behavioral type interviews, Mm -hmm. where here, it's much more balanced, we want to know you as a person, Um, do you have a life, you know, what is your, are you going to fit into our company culture, you know, Um, and so, it's just very different from the cold home, the home country cultures that people are coming from. Mm, makes sense. What other cultural things you think are like are, are hard to learn or are things that need to be adjusted for international students? Yeah. Well, one, there's this idea of ethnocentrism, which is just we like to be with our own type of people, mm. you know, and so I call it the bubbles. You know, international students tend to stay in their bubbles. Yes. And I joke with them. It's like, hey, you guys are spending ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars a semester to come study here in America, but all your roommates are from your country. <laughs> the majority of your classmates are from your country, and you even got teachers from your country. What's the point of spending tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars to come to America, but really, quote unquote, study in your own country and culture? And so I always say, hey, you have to take a big step out of that bubble. It's a blessing to have roommates that speak your language, eat your food, celebrate your festivals. But if you don't know Americans and are experienced American culture, one, you're just missing out and wasting opportunity. But then two, you're really limiting yourself in your growth opportunities and your job opportunities. And so learning how to get out of that comfort zone. But the problem is Eastern cultures, your DNA wiring teaches you to stay in that culture and community. They're collectivistic. You're not supposed to branch out. You're not supposed to meet new people. You're not supposed to do things different. So their culture really makes it hard for them to do what is going to make you successful in our American independent individual culture, which we value standing out. Yeah. Yeah. No. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's that reminds me of like this quote is like we grew up our whole life. You know, we think about like even in America, I grew up in America. I'm from Colombia. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of I, I went to middle school and high school here. Um, and then college here it's like the whole time you're in your school you're like 
you're trying to be the same and fit in, but you yeah. realize that to be successful in America, you need to stand out, right? And what you're saying just makes so much sense, but I can just see how difficult that is. Um, and so how, how would you suggest somebody listening to you says, you know what, Rob, you're right, but I don't even know how to stand. Like I, my roommates are my roommates, right? Mm -hmm. Like my, my classmates are my classmates. And, but what, what, how do I, how do I do it? Like I'm intimidated. I don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. Like who's welcoming, who's not, I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, you know, in America and just about anywhere else you go in the world, the local people are friendly and they're going to be helpful. You know, we were a bunch of dumb Americans in India, just struggling. And so many people there were helpful just because we, we were willing to learn and try. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like that grit, that determination and being willing to make a mistake, to try, to fail. You know, I made so many mistakes in India and other cultures, just trying to learn. And we'll have grace for one another, patience with one another. But if you just, you know, I think practical things are, you know, as an international student, get involved outside the classroom. So join a club, mm. whether it's intramural sports or, you know, something for fun or even a technical club, just make sure it's not all your same type of people. So that's really practical. I love one of my favorite things is suggesting people to go to meetups, meetup.com. Great place to network with local professionals. You can do technical meetups. You can do fun stuff like photography, book clubs, you know, uh, hiking clubs, you know, surfing at the beach clubs, whatever, you know, you're into or wanting to learn, you can meet local people. And again, learn about the culture. I know there's friendship partner programs at the universities where you can get paired up with American mentors or American families. Um, and there's a ton of resources at the university that helps you get connected outside the university. Uh, you just have to look and take advantage of that. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with you. Like I think back, like what could, could somebody do? I think joining student organizations is one that's right there. And like, especially joining one that your peers are not joining right and not that you can't mm -hmm. join that like to me i think a good three student organizations it's good manageable right and then um but like being in a uh like a professional fraternity there's some mm -hmm. for engineering there's some for business there's some for everything um definitely a really good one i think sports i always think about like the sport sportsmanship that brings like especially if you play a, a sport like like soccer that's played everywhere in the world um mm -hmm. and, and being able to join in the murals or 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 to your point like i mean you you're so right like the hobbies right whether it is photography whether it's you've you just gained a hobby for health and fitness and you go to the re the recreational center or the gym to go work out whether it's gaming whether it's chess what it doesn't mm -hmm. matter um most large universities where there is an international student program have hundreds of student organizations all you have to do is go to sga uh, the SGA, they have a list. There's generally a website, there's a database, and there's a, an email associated mm -hmm. with uh, somebody who's in charge of the organization, the president or somebody in charge of it. And what you're going to find is that most organizations lack engagement, right? And so mm -hmm. they're going to want you to be part of it. They're going to be welcoming, especially if you're the one that's always volunteering to help set up, if you're the one that's volunteering it. And if you add value, they're going to give you value back. And, and, and again, um, I would agree that most, I, I, most people in the world are good and they mean good and they want to help, especially for someone that's wanting to help. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So, 
Um, what other cultural differences do you think maybe we're missing before we move on to the next stage, which is the job searching part? Yeah, yeah. I think in just the academics, I mentioned it briefly before, but the class structure is always kind of a big shock. But I think it really is an advantage to international students once they really get into it. So again, back in any other Asian cultures, they really just have one or two big exams at the end of the semester where it's like you basically just memorize it, spit it out, get the grade. But most of the semester, it doesn't really matter. You're just kind of there for attendance. But in America, from day one, you're having homework, exams, quizzes, projects. Um, but the cool thing is it's preparing you along the way that you're so you're studying and learning. So actually, when you have an exam, you've already been learning it the last several weeks because you're doing the work and you're putting the time in. So when students are they're freaking out about their first exams in America, and they're like, oh, yeah, that wasn't that bad because I've been studying the whole time along. You just, again, have to learn how to budget and manage your time and stay on top of it. And then really, you're learning way more practical things, um, tangible things. You're doing projects. And so uh, it's different, but it's really good. And just, again, you have to have that understanding that studies and testing and all that is just different in America and be willing to adjust. Yeah. In terms of what, uh, any cultural changes that you might see when, in the job search process. So you mentioned... Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Asian countries being more technical focused versus American companies are more holistic. There is still technical aspect. You're still going to have some technical assessments, especially if you're going for technical jobs. But what other things do you mm -hmm. think are, are something that an international student should be keeping in mind earlier and on as they start this job search process? Yeah, the, the biggest, most important thing about getting a job in America is your network you know, in America. And, and really, when you think about life anywhere, you know, it's who you know is who takes care of you. You know, I say friends hire friends, friends refer friends, friends help friends, not strangers. Mm -hmm. And so people have to know you. And so you have to give people an opportunity to know you. On-campus jobs, it's the same. When there's a college with lots of international students, it's hard to get an on-campus job. So if you go apply on Handshake, you're not getting an interview. But if a student who's working there introduces you to the manager, then you get the job. So referrals is the key, but it's referrals from people who know you, not begging random strangers on LinkedIn to refer you. And so whether it's an on-campus job, an internship, a full-time job. So there's this myth that happens amongst international students. And the myth is the more job applications I fill out online, I'm going to get lucky, you know, and usually it's like one to 200 applications might get a callback, which is a terrible ROI. You know, students fill out hundreds, thousands of applications online, which just blows my mind. You know, I tell my American friends, I'm like, wait, what? They do that? That's, that's your waste of time. But the reality is your chances of getting a job is proportional to the number of professionals you know in America. Mm. So that's where you need to invest your time, meeting people, going to conferences, job fairs networking mixers, meetups, uh, industry things happening in your community and college. And so most people, again, when it's at the end of the semester, they're desperate for a job. They're like, Rob, help me. You know, I can't find a job. And I say, I always ask two questions, you know, how many applications you filled out in line? <laughs> Hundreds, thousands. Yep. And then I always say, how many Americans do you know? They'll say, oh, Rob, you're, you're the only American that I know. You're my only American friend. And I say, I'm honored, but that's why you don't have a job. And so it's about getting to know people 
especially professionals in the industries and companies. And you've talked about that too, you know, having that sniper strategic focus and then building relationships, having those informational interviews and coffee chats, finding mentors. And that's where jobs are going to come from in America, not by getting a GPA. That's perfect. Some of the things you said, yeah, 100%. Like, I think it's important to understand that the quality of application is more important than the quantity. So when Mm -hmm. you're just applying to hundreds, you know, and and I've heard the same numbers thousands of times, like they have Excel sheets and like, hey, Daniel, but look what I've done, right? Like, Mm -hmm. fantastic. You, you, you. You have great work ethic, so now let's let's tweak that out a little bit, right? Point in a better direction. Better <laughs> direction, uh, and let's focus on the quality of the application. And the second thing that I really want to make sure someone listening takes away is that visibility is more important than ability when it comes to landing your first job, especially here in America. And mm-hmm. that's contrary to their culture, right? Which is, hey, ability—if I get the highest score, I get a job—and then I'm here telling you, like, no. It's actually visibility because if the companies don't even know you exist because all you did was apply online, then you're not even going to get a chance to show your ability. Now, do you Mm -hmm. still need to have a base level and still have the technical skills? Absolutely. I am not saying to not go to school. I am not saying to get a, (laughs) I am not here to tell you to get a 2.8 GPA. I am saying that your GPA is a, it's like a credit score. And if, if for, for, for all of you listening, after a 3.5, there's no difference to a company. Like, I, there's no, no one's getting a job. Oh, this person has a 3.8 and this person has a 3.5. I'm going to get the 3.8. Like, that doesn't matter anymore. Now, if you get below a 3.0, that's no, no, that's some red flag. Mm-hmm. So you want to go above. And if you're going for a technical major, I would say, you know, 3.5 is like the number that you want if you want to get to a top tier uh, technical company. After that, it's a law of diminishing demand. You should be focusing on your visibility and you should be focused on your visibility anyways. But um, it's so important that you're networking, that you're building relationships. And as someone that if you're just in this country, you don't have a lot of relationships and all your relationships are other international students that work together to build relationships, to go to networking groups, to go to the info sessions, um, to go and see on Handshake, to utilize LinkedIn, to create content or to reach out to people in a proper way. Now, hey, my name is Daniel. Here's my resume or CV, but actually build a relationship and be generously, be, be curious about what someone's doing and to be able to convert that to mm-hmm. having a conversation because people want to help. People want to help. Definitely. Daniel, do you know what percentage of jobs in America that are available can be found online and be applied to online? I would say less than 40%. Yes. This is another thing that really hinders a lot of international students is research time and time again says of all the jobs and available in America, only about 20 to 30% can be found online. So yep. if you can go online, LinkedIn, Indeed, Glassdoor, Google, or you know, job portals, Handshake, whatever, only 20 to 30% of jobs make it online that you can apply to. And the rest, 70, 80% are filled through relationships, networking, and referrals, and most of them are never gonna make it online. And so if you're only applying online, you're missing out on at least three quarters of the available jobs in the US job market. Yeah, no, and, and, and you have to realize that you're like, well, how does that make sense? And I, I love that example that what you're sharing here because like, I always challenge the student. Think about it like this. Let's say you're playing a sport. doesn't even matter. Let's say it's soccer. And let's say that you're, uh, you're forward, the, the guy who scores the goals in the front gets hurt in a game, 
breaks his leg, can't play. The coach now has to go and say, gosh, we need someone else. We're in the middle of the season, right? We need a forward. He can do A, he can put out flyers all around the school and says, hey, we're doing open tryouts, come and apply. Or B, he can ask other players who are already good, who are already on the team, who already have the trust and support of the coach and say, who do you all know who can be a good forward for the team? Mm-hmm. Right? And what most likely will happen if you were in that situation, you would hire the recommendation, right? You were going to take a closer look at them, right? Mm-hmm. Um and, and that happens a lot too. And so it's why the hidden job market is so big and, and it's why those relationships are important. But what you have to realize as an international student, your biggest enemy is time, right? Is time after graduation, those 90 days that you have to get in, in your OPT job. And so networking takes longer sometimes, right? Those relationships take a long time mm-hmm. to build. And so that's where, when Rob, when you say you got to start on day one, and you have a four years, or if you're here to do just your master's and you have two years, depending on the type of program you're in, that's where you have to start doing it. And the same top of mind and, and to be, you know, those beautiful Excel spreadsheets that most of you listening have about all the thousands of jobs you've applied. I want you to, instead of tracking the where you applied, I want you to track your relationships. Yes. I love it. I love it. Totally. Um, and, 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 and keep track. Like last time we spoke, we spoke about this and then follow up with them and have systematic way of like maybe following up every month or every quarter or every so often and, and maybe set up Google alerts on the companies that they work for and stay educated and stay top of mind. So when the jobs do come and, and, and he, someone on the team, whether it gets promoted, gets leaves or gets fired and there's an opening in the, and before it's even posted, you're coming to mind. Right. And so I think all that Rob is extremely important. Um, and, and so that you can get yourself some visibility. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, it is, it is scary, you know, stepping out and I'll, I'll acknowledge that like most people, like a very common question I get, Daniel is Rob, how do I talk to an American? Like that's a legitimate, a legitimate concern that a lot of students have is they don't know how to talk to someone who's different than them because they've never had to before. And I get that, but you have to take that risk to get the reward. You have to step out of your bubble. You have to do the harder things or what might seem harder. It's easy to sit in your apartment and apply to hundreds of applications online every day. The hard thing is to send that message, make that phone call, give that invite, show up to that meetup, you know, ask a professional or an alumni to grab coffee or a meal and then prepare the questions you want to ask them to learn from them. But the hard work pays off for the results. And so being willing to do those things, you know, and then the, the, what I recommend is don't do it alone, get other friends, roommates, classmates, you know, get a professor or someone in the career center to encourage you and mentor, you know, don't do it alone, do these things in groups with friends. You can learn together, you can encourage, have that accountability that way you're doing the right things in the right direction, which is going to pay off to actually reach the goals you guys want to go after. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's important So, because networking doesn't come easy to anybody, let alone for someone mm-hmm. from a different country, let alone for someone who is a STEM major and is generally more introverted, right? So all these things are like stacking. And mm-hmm. so here's the simplicity of it, right? Understand this. Here, here's a process I teach my clients to do. One, find commonality right? Alumni, right? Did they study your same major, right? Find commonality. Now, if you can't find commonality, go with the aspirational route. Like, 
hey rob came across your profile notice that you've been doing this for you have an amazing youtube channel really admire one day i would love to have a youtube channel like you do you mind if we connect like so and understand this people love to help and are willing to help now the problem with that mm -hmm. is that people don't have the time right T time is the most valuable resource in the world and mm -hmm. we have all been in the situation where we get asked for advice we give advice and then that person does not execute that and you're like well you just wasted 30 minutes of my time mm -hmm. right so what i want you to do here's the step find first step find commonality second step make the the first interaction all about them not about you right cuz most people are like hey mm -hmm. my name is Danny I'm a marketing student I need a job right no 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 hey rob would love to learn about you like i, I noticed you've been doing this for x y and z would love to learn about your journey so then your conversation is all about rob right it's all about the other person at the end of that conversation what you want to do is, is you want to open the feedback loop you want to ask for a piece of advice something very something that doesn't take a lot of effort from Rob. So like Rob, um, what editing software do you use for your videos on YouTube? Right. And then, so, so that takes very little from the other person's side to give, but it takes me time to do. So if I go, Hey Rob, I started using uh, that software. It's been, it's worked really great. I posted my first YouTube video. Thank you so much for your help. Right. So what that does is that I gave myself a test. Right. I just proved to Rob, I proved to the person I'm networking that I'm not going to value, I'm not going to waste their time that any time they give me that I will execute. So that then builds on that relationship. And then what happens is, is you, if you do go online and you find a job on Handshake or Indeed on Monday, I can then go to Rob and go like, hey, Rob, I know that we kind of just met. I'm not asking you to refer me. Right. Because that's a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. But how would you recommend I get visibility because all I am looking for, Rob, is an opportunity to interview. And when you put it that way, when you take the pressure off the referral and you just say, hey, I'm, all I am looking for is an opportunity to show what I bring to the table, mm -hmm. that then most people are going to be willing to help you. They already know you execute and they might help support you in getting you to the interview. Now, you still have to interview and that's a whole different conversation, but at least it mm -hmm. gets you there and gets you the visibility that most international students lack. Yeah, yeah. And like you, I'm, I'm sure also get tons of messages online on Instagram and LinkedIn. And I feel like there's, th there's three common messages I get the most. Um, there's the, the purposeless messages where, you know, people just will say, hi, hello, or <laughs> help me, you know, like there's no direction. And they don't, you know, and I get that. That's how you chit chat back in Eastern culture, but in American Western culture, you got to be direct and to the point. Then there's the people that are the takers people that just want something from you that don't consider relation. Hey, review my resume or refer me or find me a job, you know, don't be a taker. But like Daniel said, be a connector, find those commonality points. When someone says, Hey, Rob, I share this in common with you, or because of this, I was really impacted, or I saw this post that someone did and your comment there, you know, and I wanted to learn more about that. The people that, find that common connection point or share that value that's being shared um, or want to give back. Those are the messages I'm going to respond to first. Those are the ones I'm going to give more time. And those are the people that I'm going to value and be more open to a relationship with. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. Rob, um, if people listening to this podcast want to learn more about you, your services, what you do, what is the best way for them to connect with you? 
Yeah, um, I mean, if, since we're talking jobs and professions, you know, LinkedIn is always great. Um, YouTube, we have tons of great free resources covering everything A to Z for study abroad, career search, jobs in America, culture. Uh, mostly it's I'm just the messenger and it's my friends telling their story. So you're going to learn from the, the actual students and professionals. So many great resources there. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, social media, you can follow. Um, we're working on launching a course later this year. We've done it live, going to create a, a online course helping people um, in their job search. I think Daniel, you've got something as well. So yeah, there's a lot of great resources for job search as well. But yeah, LinkedIn and YouTube would be the best places for sure. Awesome, Rob. So all those, I'll put some links on the show notes. Rob, thank you so much for coming. You've been amazing. And for everybody listening, catch you guys on the next episode. Whoa, whoa, whoa. If you're still listening, it's because you've reached the end of the episode and that speaks volumes of you. In an age of distraction, the fact that you're still listening to this means that you're serious about your career. And to do that, I want to return the favor and reward you for this behavior. So to do that, I want to give you access to a free 30-minute webinar that's going to completely change the way you job search. This webinar was built just for international STEM students and we're going to talk about the three biggest mistakes international STEM students make when looking for a job and how to fix them. So if you want to get access to this webinar, go to masteringcollege2career.com forward slash webinar podcast.